Canada Conversations is brought to you by Deloitte Canada, helping you navigate the complex challenges your company faces through recovery and enabling you to thrive in the new normal. To learn more, visit Deloitte.ca. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the November 27th, 2020 episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. I'm your host, Greg Layson, the digital and mobile editor here at Automotive News Canada. My guest today has pulled off some epic expansion during one of the most challenging times in our modern history. He managed to build a new multi-brand store complete with condominiums. Yes, you heard that right, condos, during a pandemic. And he, like thousands of others, are currently in lockdown in the greater Toronto area. We'll find out how he did it, how he's handling the current situation, and what he thinks might be ahead for retail as the COVID-19 crisis drags on. All that and more when I speak with Downtown Auto Group President and Founder, Mr. Shaheen Elizadeh, on this episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. Shaheen, thanks for joining me on the podcast this week. Not a problem. My pleasure. Great. Um, let's start here. Um, simply tell me about your new multi-store mixed-use project in Toronto. What does it entail? Just sort of tell me all about it. Well, it's, if I were to tell you all about it, it'd take a lot longer than the time we have. But the <laughs> the, uh, the the genesis of it was when we um, operated a Toyota store on a fairly large site in the downtown core, and at Broadview and Queen Broadview, and uh, or at least Queen and the Don Valley Parkway, we acquired some additional land adjacent. So we ended up with roughly a, a five-acre piece of property in prime downtown uh, area. And uh, the question was, how much of it uh, could we use for automotive and maybe perhaps some for other usage? Because the values were certainly uh, too high for it to become strictly automotive at that point by by 2011, 2012, which is the time frame we're talking about. And so we uh, partnered up with a development company, uh, Streetcar Developments, who are in, you know, in, the, in that market, local market, with a number of uh, condominium projects. We um, decided to use what uh, or, or apply what is commonly referred to as as mixed use. Um, and of course, the mixed use concept in this case was significantly higher in terms of its commercial as compared to a traditional mixed use, which is a number of uh, small retail facilities, storefronts at the bottom of a, of a condo, or even a, a food store. So this was right. much lar- larger, and we, the city actually embraced it. We they thought that. To, you know, containing our, our our overall operation, which at the time was six of our operations would be housed in that location. They thought it was a great idea. So we got city support, ran into some challenges um, throughout the course of the initial couple of years. Uh, we had to appeal to the, uh, someone actually appealed it to the Ontario Municipal Board. So it took us longer to get the final approvals, but Ultimately, around 2015, we got all our uh, ducks in a row and uh, we started construction. The whole idea was to really do two things. One was create a unique automotive experience, which would include uh, a, 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 a different approach, or at least it would be a different approach than a traditional auto mall where you go from building to building to building. This one is pretty well self-contained. 
Um, it has seven showrooms. Uh, right now, we're having added the FCA brands to the location. We're talking about 11 or 12, if I'm not mistaken, nameplates. Um, there, we will have Toyota, which has already begun operating. We'll have Ford Lincoln. Uh, we'll have Hyundai Genesis. We will have Nissan Infinity, and then we'll have the uh, the, the uh, uh, Jeep Chrysler Dodge Ram. Uh, we are include, including a brand new concept uh, for the for the uh, service kind aspect of it, which is uh, all the services are below grade, very high ceilings, very lit, well lit, but nonetheless they're below grade. What, what's the uh, reason for that, if, if I may ask? Is that just more efficient? Uh, more, more efficient. It, it gave us the opportunity to also combine a, 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 a lot of the different services that are fed into individual service operations, such as fluids and, and, and services that generally you'd have to have individual uh, components for them. We actually consolidated. For instance, there's one big massive oil tank or at least one for uh, regular and one for synthetic so you have two tanks that are are feeding uh every single one of our 59 service base and um, uh, you have a common uh high powered uh, 90 cars per hour car wash system we have um again a detailing area which is which is somewhat consolidated because uh, as much as we have kept all the brands separate in terms of their identity and in terms of even their service facilities, there are certain components that certainly can be shared, detailing being one of them. So the idea of having them all basically below grade wasn't so much whether it should be above grade or below grade. It just made it a lot easier for us to uh, provide for a much more consolidated uh, servicing of these bays uh, from a from a from a planning perspective, and uh, we worked with uh, suppliers. Um, they were very excited about this project. A lot of new innovative ideas, such as a carousel type parts dispenser which accommodates every one of our, uh, at least services rather, every one of our brands. This is one that is directly tied into our DMS. So a technician would go up to this uh, to this machine um, and punch in the service RO number and uh, and the part that's required would be uh, would be transported to that level, whether it's on the upper level or on the lower level. And it's a pretty sophisticated system. First one, I believe, in Canada that's been used. I know we saw it in a couple of locations in the U.S., but I don't think there's any other one, any other dealer that has it in Canada. So there was a, a whole bunch of reasons that we tried to really utilize the the uh, square footage as best as we could, simply because of cost that that, that costs that are attached to the value of land in the downtown core. Um, is this something, is this an idea that you had or had you seen other, you mentioned you saw some of this at locations in the U.S., but is this truly unique to North America or the world or were you sort of piecing ideas from other places together to make your, your dealership what it is? I just wonder how it all 
came together, whether it was your idea, your company's idea, or if it were pieces of others or, or sort of an idea that you saw somewhere else? No, actually, we didn't see it anywhere else. It was kind of, we were, the economics of it, uh, Greg, were just, uh, they almost forced us into thinking outside the box. That's what mm. it really came down to. I, I, I would never... I would never profess that I'm the most innovative car dealer <laughs> anywhere, uh, but having having been forced into a situation where to have a traditional type of multi-branded automotive complex, which generally would require uh, 15 acres of land and you know lots of open space and all of that, we certainly weren't uh, weren't afforded that luxury. And land values being at twenty plus million dollars an acre, uh, you can imagine that luxury would be out the window right at the very onset of the planning. So, it forced us into thinking outside the box. And as time went on, we kind of went into different. We went to a number of the trade shows at NADA. We saw different ideas. Uh, by the way, I have no knowledge, uh, to the best of my knowledge. There are no similar projects anywhere in North America. In fact, uh, we've had visits from um, others uh, throughout North America, uh, including some dealers who have heard about it and have decided to fly up and see the project uh, with their own eyes from the U.S. So, no, I, I can't think of anyone who has tried it. Um, and uh, so this is unique. Now, having said all of that, the proof's going to be in the pudding. You know, we're going to have to, once we launch the balance of the project over the next couple, three months, as we launch the other stores, Toyota is already up and running. And the balance, uh, we're hoping Ford and Lincoln will be in next by the end of the year. And then uh, by by spring of 2021, all of the stores will be operational. And the test, as I said, is going to be how effective, how efficiently, how uh, much economies of scale uh, and and how many how many you know common elements we can create so that we can uh, see a more shall we say uh, legitimate ROI on on based on actual cost. Now the reason I say legitimate, we all have lands uh, in our lots of dealers have land values in our in their portfolios that if you actually took out took a close look at the actual land value, it would never make sense to operate a car dealership from. But you've owned it for 30 years and, you know, you don't want to mess with it, so you continue on. But I'm talking about starting something from scratch based on actual values that are currently in play in different markets, especially in major urban centers like Toronto, Vancouver, Calgary, or any other major cities in Canada. So that's what this test will will really uh, define, whether you can take, uh, you know, a group of dealers, give them all brand, exactly the brand identity that they're looking for, give the customer-facing portion of it exactly what a traditional car dealership would look like, but at the end of it all, have the type of, uh, economies of scale and efficiencies and consolidated approaches that would make financial sense based on actual values. We'll hear more from Shaheen Alizadeh after this short break. The COVID-19 pandemic has had an unprecedented impact on the world's population and economy. Social distancing and self-isolation measures have taken consumers out of the auto retail market 
while concern over worker safety continues in manufacturing facilities globally. An increasingly distressed supply base is facing the potential for large-scale liquidity issues, which may lead to increased M&A activity throughout the ecosystem. Significant uncertainty remains around the permanence of current consumer behaviors and the extent to which they will be able to re-engage with the sector. Through Deloitte's State of the Consumer Tracker series, we discuss timely data and trends and highlight key consumer insights. We also explore how behavioral preferences take shape over time to allow businesses to make strategic decisions in this dynamic market environment. The ongoing survey results are also available via an interactive dashboard, the Deloitte Global State of the Consumer Tracker. Check in every two weeks to explore new consumer insights and emergent trends. Welcome back to the show where I'm speaking with Shaheen Elizade, the president and founder of Downtown Auto Group. It's funny because someone could look at it and say, well, geez, maybe it's it looks a little counterintuitive, a dealership beneath some condos in a city core. So, so I'm curious, um, why do you think uh, the people in a walkable city neighborhood want a car? Or, or maybe the question is, how do you convince them that they need a car from you and this very unique dealership beneath condos? I just wonder how you win over those customers um, with a store like this, because it is very unique. And, and you mentioned it, the, the proof will be in the pudding. I'm just wondering how you get there. Well, uh, first of all, I think to say that just because people are downtown, and I've been operating downtown in nearly three decades, and I've never uh, bought into the notion that people in the downtown core are simply non-car buyers. That's the first thing. In fact, most of our uh, operations of our, uh, we're in the top uh, 10, we're not, you know, we're in the top two or three infinity stores in the country. We're in the top six or seven Lexus stores in the country. We're certainly in the top, uh, 10, 15 Toyota stores in the country. So we've managed to be, uh, right up there with every other retailer in our PMA. So it's not like just because we're downtown, we get, uh, penalized for being downtown and that goes to how how much you connect with your community how much you uh, devote your how much time you devote time your, your efforts into making sure that uh, your customers become your advocates from a servicing point of view that you offer them uh, you know, above average service I'm not going to claim that we offer exceptional service because I don't think anyone can make that claim but if you give them more than that more than they expect, they become advocates. So we've done that. Downtown Toyota is one of our stores has been in business for 38 years. And I can tell you, we still maintain a relationship with people who bought cars from us in the 80s. Uh, so what we find, the offset factor to the downtown market not being as much of a car-oriented market is the fact there's a tremendous level of loyalty to the two the geography to with which they've been accustomed. Right. So uh, we find that our retention is good. We find that our servicing, because we also keep in mind that we service right now with COVID, of course, it's a different market, but as a rule, we have a huge number of transient service customers that come into the downtown core, need their car serviced. We provide them with transportation or rides or what have you. And they love the idea of dropping their cars, their, be, it, be it a Toyota, be it a Lexus, be it a Nissan, be it a Ford, whatever brand we carry, to have the luxury of dropping it off near their offices and and uh, and go to work and be picked up and brought back. So there are some 
unique advantages in the downtown market. And like I said before, I don't believe that uh, that just because people live downtown, their need for a vehicle becomes eliminated. I don't. I've never seen that. Uh, a lot of the downtown buyers, downtown uh, residents, especially the younger crowd that's moving in, they still have families in the suburbs. They still have parents, uncles, cousins, what have you. So, and of course, the last six, seven months, we've seen a a major shift away from public transit. And, I was uh, going to ask you about that, actually, because um, you are in that unique position that you're experiencing the experiencing the pandemic in a in a major the, the the country's biggest city where mass transit is is used by millions and i just wonder what the effect of the pandemic has been so i'm glad you brought that up what has it been like what has that shift uh, been like for you and what have you seen we've seen our used car we we cannot keep our pre-owned cars in stock long enough that's the first thing and that a lot of that is based on first time buyers who use a vehicle as an alternate to what they've traditionally known as to be their mode of tra- public transit as, as their mode of transportation. Um, we Two of our stores, in fact, <clears throat> uh, we're on Queen Street and we're on Dundas, both of which are streetcar routes, and I'm amazed as to how sparse the, the transit uh, riders' uh, count is on each of these uh, cars. And so we have seen, with our own eyes, a tremendous drop in public transit usage in our, in our area. Now, can I give you exact number of how many people have gravitated to buy a, a car? No, but I will tell you that we, based on stats that we draw from our, our, uh, our documentation, our credit applications, and so forth, we have seen a significant number of first-time buyers. And not because they're in their 20s, because they just have not needed a car. And now they're saying, you know what, I think I'll just go in for the next couple of years while this thing is hanging around our heads, hanging over our heads, uh, I'll, I'll buy a car. And we have seen that. Absolutely, we've seen that. Um, let's stick with the pandemic for a minute since since we're talking about it. Um, it's been going on since March. Um, beside the, the used vehicle um, aspect that you just mentioned and the move from mass transit, I just wonder what it's been like for a new vehicle dealer such as yourself during this pandemic. Has it been difficult? Because in Ontario, they did lock us down early on. Um, and we kind of went through that and it, it, there's a second wave ongoing. What has this been like over the last eight months or so for new vehicle dealers in Ontario? A bit of a roller coaster. Uh, as you said, back in March, of course, mid-March, we were one of the first dealer groups as a precaution. I, I shut down all my 10 locations um, for, I think, about three weeks. And for, for, it was a decision that 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 we made internally. It had nothing to do with any government. This was prior to us being locked down. And I felt it was the right thing to do because the the momentum was building and this thing just becoming more and more serious. Um, in uh, mid mid March, when the government uh, stepped in, and or I'm sorry, in early April, or by early April, the the Ontario government, of course, mandated us to shut down. Mm-hmm. Then gradually, we came back to uh, having uh, uh, having sales by appointment, and then of course we opened up. Now, bear in mind, throughout the whole entire time. Uh, we've also had to adhere to a higher standard of of 
protocols when it comes to sanitizing and uh, keeping ahead of the curve when it comes to protecting both our staff and our our customers. So it's been challenging. It's been a more expensive proposition to run our operations. Uh, we do have to, as much as we uh, we we had some staff cutbacks back in the spring. Uh, the momentum in the summer picked up again, so we've brought back most of our staff. Now, with this latest lockdown, I'm not sure how that's going to impact us. We're, we are coming into slower seasons, and the way things are, I'm not sure if the, December 21st is the end of it or it's just going to be extended. So we are looking right now at how we can... Uh, protect ourselves financially and operationally, but it has been a bit of a roller coaster. I, I feel as though, as a this is not as a car dealer, but just as a Torontonian, uh, I, I believe we started on a very positive note with all levels of government being on top of things, and I think somewhere along the way we fell apart. That's my view. And we didn't have enough testing. We complained about this. We complained about that. We didn't put enough uh, protective measures. It just seemed like it was, as I said, it was a bit of a roller coaster as a business owner. And um, and so at this point, uh, we're not sure how it's going to impact us moving forward. As I mentioned, we are coming into a slower period of our business, December, January, February. So yep. we'll see how it goes. But it has, it has, if, if now having said all of that, there were some government support programs that did help us. I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to say that the uh, federal government, the CWS, the Canadian uh, uh, wage subsidy program did not help us. It did for sure. Uh, that was about the only thing that most car dealers were qualified for. The rest of it, our businesses were too large for any of the other support to be to be applied. But that helped us in some in in certain ways. Um, but the, it's the the uncertainty right now. Quite frankly, what our team when we get together once once every two days in our general meetings and conference calls, it's the uncertainty of not knowing what's ahead. Last few days since this lockdown, our traffic has dropped significantly, significantly. You you mentioned uh, some expenses uh, associated with this. Is there anything, are there any expenses that you see sticking around? Are there things that people may not realize that, geez, dealerships are going to have to pay for this expense due to COVID for X amount of months or maybe forever. Is there anything that's going to hang around and, and cost dealerships some money or overhead because of COVID-19 for, for a longer period of time? Well, I think the culture or the mindset will remain for at least a couple of years because by the time there are uh, effective uh, vaccinations and the results being proven, right now I'm watching the news, I'm hearing people only 50% of the population truly believes that the vaccines are going to uh, be effective. Now, that may be a completely erroneous statistic, but that's mindset. People are not right. going, I don't, I don't believe just because you go and get a vaccine tomorrow morning that the next day you're going to jump in a taxi cab or in a <laughs> uh, jump on a subway or be out there uh, partying it. So I think that's going to be a, a lingering uh, scenario for at least a year, maybe 18 months. Uh, 
on our side, we have to go along with that uncertainty that the public has. So yes, absolutely, we're going to have to adhere to the to the sanitization processes. We have specific individuals that are charged with that responsibility. Uh, all of that costs manpower. Now, again, right now, there is a bit of an offset through the CWS program, uh, which, which, which helps us, no question about it. But that's not going to last forever. So, yes, I believe there will be, there will be a lingering operationally, operational impact on car dealers, even though the, the COVID per se will be somewhat behind us uh, in terms of the vaccination being available or what have you. I want to circle back to your your uh, your store for a minute. Um, how many housing units are there involved in in this project? Because um, it is condos above, if I'm not mistaken. And I, I just... well, it's not really above. It's okay. kind of it's kind of set. The dealerships are, are set forward, and the condo buildings are set back. So so they're offset. Um, okay, they're off there. There, if you look at the visuals of it. And there's a picture of it on our website. There are some. There's there's a very clear delineation between the condos and the and the uh, and the and the and, and the dealerships themselves. Okay. To answer your question, there are 892 condos um, as part of the project. Phase one, which just completed, uh, was about just over 450. And phase two, which is now just breaking ground because we moved the Toyota store to uh, the new facility, and now we're 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 going into phase two, is roughly another just under 400. So altogether, it's about eight. As I said, 892. Um, we have other commercial uh, venues. Uh, we have other space for a food store. You know a a, a daycare center. So we have another 40,000 or so, uh, maybe closer to 60,000 square feet of, of uh, commercial space that uh, we control along with our partners in the development and uh, which will be, which will be offered for lease to various uh, services. We're trying to keep it as, as, as synergetic with the auto in the auto business but it's not always possible to do that. So, you know, we're, we're in business as well. We've got to get whatever uh, retail space, we've got to get retail space filled. And right now, as you can imagine, our retail space uh, or retail market is not the hottest because of the COVID. So it's a, it's a balancing act. We'll, we're, but so far it's been a successful project. We've, we've sold out the condos completely. So, What's it like being a landlord? Do you see that as being a as big a piece of revenue f- for you as a company, or is, is automotive still the bread and butter? I just wonder how that balances automotive, out. Uh, automotive will continue to be uh, continue to be our bread and butter. I mean, this was a convenient way of reducing our expenses towards the overall project that included our seven dealerships. But in reality, the the core business my core business continues to be focused on on the automotive so i'm working very hard on our whole team not just me but we're all working very hard on on creating a different experience within the automotive component of this project uh the condos are the condos people come in we hope that we can convert them into buyers as well uh, certainly we're gonna be as 
as aggressive and as as accommodating to their needs should they become interested in transportation through us but sure. our focus is is just the case a, a classic case of of being innovative enough to attract enough people and the one thing that i hope we can we have created or will create in the next couple of months by the time the rest come in is uh, create a destination I mean, there's nowhere else that you can go and look at a dozen different brands without leaving the building. I mean, well, that's and that's huge thing. in Canada, isn't it? With our with our Absolutely. climate, that would be such an advantage to be able to shop and compare different brands but similar vehicles under one roof without having to put the winter coat back on, without having to bang the boots off again, um, going store to store. So that is a huge advantage, is it not? Absolutely, and that's what I think is going to be the 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 the, the, the actual kind of a draw. Uh, if I can call it a draw for our, co- we're already seeing people even in the Toyota store that just are curious about the whole project, and that's even before the rest of the project or the rest of the stores are in 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 the building and operating. So yeah, I, I'm listen. I'm an optimist. Um, I believe we've created something that is going to be unique enough that's going to draw people from different parts of the city, for that matter. Uh, but again. Going back to the downtown market, I still believe there's enough opportunity for us right here in the core of the city to to make a very viable business out of our project. Well, it certainly piqued my interest. Uh, I've been watching it. I've been following it on your Facebook page. I've seen the updates and the photos. It looks incredible. Um, I wish you all the best. It, it is certainly a huge undertaking, but uh, I wish you all the best, and I thank you for joining me on the podcast to talk about it this week. Thank you very much, Greg. Good luck to you as well. Take care. We reached Shaheen at his office in the GTA. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, have a suggestion, or simply want to comment, email me at glayson at autonews.com. And remember, you can listen to all our previous shows on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play, or on our website, automotivenews.ca. That does it for this episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. We hope you'll join us next time. So long, everybody.